Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Biz Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Tavi Nasir, CEO of Tavi Nasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tavinasir.com to find out how we can help bring invaluable insights and practical tools to help your organization succeed in achieving its goals. And this episode is sponsored by GoCo. Connecting with your employees as a manager can be challenging. Thankfully, GoCo can help with this by supporting your people with team feedback features built into their automation-based HR software. Not only can you make sure you're aligned with your employees on their performance, progress, and goals, but you'll show them that you care about your employees by providing them with a modern HR experience. You can customize the GoCo platform to support your existing processes, documents, and policies, and they provide you with a dedicated customer success manager to help you maximize the benefits you derive from their platform. And the best part is, you can try it for free with no credit card needed. So go to goco.io slash leadership, that's G-O-C-O dot I-O slash leadership, and find out why Forbes has said, as far as all-in-one HR platform goes, GoCo is your best bet to get started. And now, let's meet my guest for this episode, Susan Steinbrecher. We all like to feel we go into that conversation with today is our purpose of our conversation and this is what we're here to do. But what's really happening is the history of conversations you've had with this individual, whether we like it or not, is entering in that room as well. Thanks to the faster pace in which we operate in today's digital work environment, ensuring you have alignment amongst your various teams, value chain and business processes is critical to ensuring success in achieving your goals. But what about the conversations you have with your employees? Are you also paying attention to creating alignment in how you relate to one another? And more importantly, how do you go about achieving that? That's the focus of my conversation today with CEO and author Susan Steinbrecher. Susan is a business consultant, licensed mediator, and the president and CEO of Steinbrecher & Associates, a management consulting firm. She's also a columnist for Inc.com and has been featured in the New York Times and Entrepreneur.com. Susan has written three books, her latest being Meaningful Alignment, Mastering Emotionally Intelligent Interactions at Work and in Life, which will be the focus of this episode. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the show. Hi. (laughs) Thank you. Excited to be with you. So, Susan, the title of your book paints an interesting picture, Meaningful Alignment. Now, in most cases, when we talk about alignment, the focus tends to be on value chain and management processes. So to help frame our conversation today, what are you referring to when you say meaningful alignment? Well, thank you for asking that, first of all, because trying to come up with a right title for a book is not easy to do. And um, just after lots of discussion involving lots of folks and saying, what, what is the essence of what we're really trying to communicate and convey in this work? And alignment, of course, is part of it. Yes, you want to get on the same page with somebody. You want to get aligned, quote unquote, with somebody. But what's really important is that how we do that, what that relationship looks like while we're getting to that goal really, really matters. So the word meaningful resonated with us because we looked at that with how can we convey um, making sure that we enhance that relationship if possible both feel their personal needs were met. They were listened to. They had a win out of this interaction. They actually want to work with you again. (laughs) So that's where the word meaningful came in. And we we meant that in a very sort of holistic way. Right. 
Now, again, Susan, for many leaders, if you bring up this concept of alignment, the default mindset is to focus on strategy and finding those weak links that are impeding our progress in achieving our goals and how to bring them into alignment with our other teams, our business units. So for those who are more strategy-focused and focus more on making sure everyone has the organization's vision and purpose and direct view to assure alignment, what role does meaningful alignment play in their day-to-day? What's the impact, good and bad, when it comes to addressing meaningful alignment to the way we lead? Right. So in a leadership capacity, especially, it's, it's pretty critical that you walk the talk, model the way. Um, people are watching, always say, um, be aware of your impact because all are watching everything you say or do or don't say or do and like it or not, making a decision or a judgment about you. So we're always on stage as leaders. So Yes, everyone can intellectually and conceptually understand the power of gaining alignment. Yes, we have to all be aligned, quote unquote, to meet the company's vision or whatever. And yet that meaningful way, that way of saying, I want to work with you on this, but I want to be sure that you're getting your goals met as well as I'm getting my goals met. I want to make sure that we're doing this in such a way that we're building a relationship that says, I actually want to work with you more in the future, that that was a we can handle or sort of hold the tension in the moment, if you would, and work through those differences collaboratively. And and that's what I think is really important because we can push and push and push to quote unquote, get aligned. Um, But for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the influence or um, persuasive capability or anything else that has to do with the people side of the equation, getting done it's got to be done in a very respectful win-win way. Right. That's one of the things that I really enjoyed about reading your book was this point about how when we talk about alignment, obviously what's critical to that is communication, whether that's verbal or nonverbal. And as you point out in your book here, the context of meaningful alignment and getting real genuine alignment is how do we respond in those conversations that have high stakes or have a high impact? Now, obviously, when you're first presenting your idea, your vision, okay, this is what we're going to be doing for the next year and so forth, you have that broad view everyone understands. But when you get down into the nitty gritty, well, that's where you can hit those friction points. You can hit points where people are suddenly realizing the disruption it's going to have on what they're currently trying to achieve. And so in those moments, that's where, as you write in your book, that's where the meaningful alignment comes in is how are you approaching those conversations and what is particular is the emotional state you're in and how you're responding to the emotional state of others. In fact, I like how you write in your book about many feel ill-equipped to have meaningful conversations because we lack the competence, confidence, and comfort to do so. That's correct. And, and people have a tendency to often either avoid altogether, which we all know doesn't typically work, <laughs> um, or sometimes the other end of the spectrum is they, they jump in without any real thought or, be, or, or thought of what do I really want to have happen by the end of this interaction? What's going to be important? How do I think this person's going to view this topic? What does this meeting environment look like? Is it conducive to have this kind of conversation? There's all these things that you have to be thinking about to go into that um, particular conversation with actually the strategy of what's going to create the right environment and therefore the right outcome for both of us. So the emotional part's very important. In fact, I would say probably the most important part is recognizing 
we're coming in with what we call the inside game, which is our own emotional composure or um, resilience. And so is that other individual, especially as you said, when the stakes are high, there's going to be emotion showing up in this conversation somehow. So to go in with looking at, well, how will I handle it if this person says something and I get emotionally triggered? What will be my go-to strategy around that? What skills do I need to deploy? And then what if they start freaking out or starting their, their emotion escalates and how do I facilitate or manage that? These are all skills that you know, we, we put in the book how to do. And of course, we have workshops on that as well and teach people how to do that. Yeah, and you know, this is what I think is one of the smart things you do in your book, because as I've seen over the last five, 10 years, there's definitely been a shift from looking at emotional intelligence as being this touchy-feely thing to really being one of the critical tools that we need to have in our toolkit as leaders to be effective in guiding our team and our organization. But at the same time, people can approach with a bit of trepidation because they're not really comfortable about it. And I think your approach in your book of how you dealt with this was quite smart because you focused on sharing these ideas in the form of a story about an executive who's struggling both at home and at work and gets the help of a coach so that he could strengthen his emotional intelligence skills. And one of the things he learns in the book is the importance of not focusing on passing judgment or casting blame, but instead focus on trying to understand why someone is doing what they're doing. Now, of course, this is something I think many leaders would like to think that they either do or are capable of doing. But if we take into consideration how quicker things happen, especially how quickly we have to pivot and change, I've found many leaders do tend to be more reactive than reflective in how they respond. So how can we balance this need for being quicker in our responses with making that time to understand why our employees are behaving the way they are? Great question. And I would just say that we always think, and I understand it because I, I can be in the same situation where this is going to take too much time to sit and think through proactively how I think the person will respond or what should I do about that, et cetera, et cetera. That takes time to do those kinds of things. It takes time to do a meaningful alignment kind of conversation. But what always strikes me is so funny about that is how much time do you think it's going to take to clean up the mess later? <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you go in and you have an important conversation with someone where the stakes are particularly high and you haven't done the pre-thinking and you haven't, you haven't sat there and said, what do I really want to get accomplished out of this? What do I think this person wants to get accomplished out of this? What's the right environment for this, et cetera? And you haven't done that kind of thing and it doesn't go well. Now you not only have not reached the goal, you now have damaged the relationship in the, in the meantime. So now, good luck next time you try to meet with a person again. We all like to feel we go into that conversation with today is our purpose of our conversation and this is what we're here to do. But what's really happening is the history of conversations you've had with this individual, whether we like it or not, is entering in that room as well. They're going to remember just like you're going to remember what, how the last one went or the one before went. And so you're already set up for either success or failure based on those past interactions. So it really matters to take the time up front because you're definitely going to take it in the back end trying to clean up the mess if it doesn't go well. Yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting point you bring up in your book about how we can balance our emotional responses in these kinds of different conversations where you say we should separate a person's intention from their behavior and I really like this point as I find that's often what leads to many of the conflicts and disagreements we see today, where people assume a negative intention on the part of the other party. 
And to be fair, many times this is merely a product of our wiring where our brain defaults on the negative side. As I've shared in some of my talks, if you ever wondered why the news always seems to focus on the negative, you can blame your brain for that because our brain tends to focus more on negative events than positive ones. So with that in mind, Susan, how do we go about making sure we separate intention from behavior? And perhaps more importantly, why is this important in terms of creating that meaningful alignment? Yeah, thank you. I, I will tell you, I just maybe I'm biased. I don't know. I have a positive bias in my personality. That's true. I'll own that. But I really believe that most people don't jump out of bed in the morning with the intention to disappoint someone else. Now, <laughs> there's a few exceptions to that, maybe. But especially if if it's like, listen, we've we've got to get aligned on something. And normally, don't people don't have the poor intention. Now, that doesn't mean their behavior is working. It may not be working well, but if we can step back and say, do, do I really believe this person intended to mess up that report? Do I really believe this person intended to let me down? Do I, do I believe they intended to, to get it wrong? I, I mean, honestly, in my heart of hearts, I could probably answer that with saying, no, I don't think it was the intention. Now, the behavior is the behavior, the impact is the impact, and accountability still has to be there. But it makes a big difference when we think someone intends to do something harmful or disruptive versus they just did something harmful or disruptive, but there was not a poor intention attached to it. I think all of us can agree that's, that's a very different thing. So that ability to step back and ask that question and be reflective and introspective enough really sets us up for success in terms of our tone of voice, our body language, our choice of words going into that interaction. So it really matters. Right. And in your book, Susan, you actually share a wonderful technique for how leaders, or anyone for that matter, can focus more on the intent than the behavior by managing the emotions of others in these charged conversations, something you call the emotional management technique. Could you share what this is and how we can apply it in these conversations where we're looking to create that meaningful alignment? Yeah, happy to. So I think the first, kind of the bigger picture here is all of us have two big primary needs. One I like to think of as that ego need, that need to feel valued, appreciated, listened to, cared about, empowered, trusted, et cetera. And then the other side of the equation is what I think of as that sort of realistic or practical need, which is what's the point of the conversation? Why are we even having a conversation? The gateway in to ever getting the alignment achieved is going to be meeting that person's ego, personal needs. And you do that through things like maintaining or enhancing their self-regard, empathetic responding, listening actively and mindfully and inviting their participation. Because those kinds of things, and and all all I ask people to do is reflect on your own experiences when somebody enhanced, at least maintain, or when appropriate, enhance your, your self-esteem or your self-regard, or you could tell the person truly cared, they were very empathetic, but it was an authentic empathy. Um, those kinds of skills have a tendency to neutralize negative emotion and kind of reground the person, if you will. So the more we do those kinds of things, and this person begins to believe and trust, wow, this person really is listening. Like I can tell they are here. They are completely mindful and present in this moment with me. 
And because of that, I'm going to let my guard down a little bit. And because of that, I'm going to calm myself down a little bit. And then it's only then when you have more neutralized emotion or negative emotion, especially that the person will hang in there with you. And that's what creates the trust that allows you to get the alignment achieved. Right. And something you've mentioned twice, races, and it's something that I've talked with a number of leaders through my talks and workshops. And I do get some pushback because, of course, there's a misunderstanding. And it's the idea that we have to make sure our employees feel heard and understood. And the pushback I often get is people feel like, well, that means that I now have to do something about what they're saying. The point here is not that now you have to do something. The point is that you're there, as you just said, being present in that moment to just make the person feel understood. Thank you for that, because a couple of key things that I want to be sure that your listeners really, really understand about this. So I coach a gazillion leaders and have for 27 years now. I mean, it's crazy. And if there's one thing that I find myself sharing more than any other concept, it is to please ask questions versus tell. So one of the emotional management techniques is invite participation. So how do you invite participation? You do that through questions. So it's not about not holding people accountable. Of course, you're going to hold people accountable. And to empathize with somebody doesn't mean you have to agree. And, and, and leaders get that mixed up all the time. They're like, well, if I empathize with this person that they've been late three times this week, then they're going to feel like I agree with them. No, it doesn't. one does not equal the other. So the thing is, is instead of saying, oh gosh, if I go down that path now, you know, what is going to happen? Because it's going to put all this work on my shoulders. No, instead it would be, so Johnny, share with me your thoughts around how to solve this issue. What's the pro of that? Um, op- that particular option? What's the con of that option? What resources might you need? Who else would be a support to you? If you were not able to get that done by that date, share with me why that might be. How can you get that done by that date? You, you see what I'm doing? I'm, it's a series of questions and the person is doing all the thinking. You've not taken anything on except for getting them to self-reflect and Believe me, that's a huge development opportunity for for folks when they have to think through their own idea or why they can do something or why they can't do something. And by the end, realize, oh, yeah, maybe that's not such a great idea. That's a huge home run for you (laughs) because they have just developed themselves and their own capability to think something through. They're still held accountable to a solution, but you're not the one giving all the advice and taking on all the responsibility. So Seek versus tell, uh, as we've probably heard that phrase before with Covey, but it's really true. It's really about asking the right questions to get someone to self-discover. This is a good path or not a good path. And you can empathize all day long without having to agree with anything. And, And that's what trips us up every time. Right. And Susan, going back to that starting point of this conversation where I pointed out how oftentimes we talk about alignment. The focus tends to be on the value change and the strategies we put in place to ensure all teams, business units, and our divisions are working towards the same goals and not veering off tangent. And some of what you just shared now reminded me of this six-step process that you write about that leaders can use to create that meaningful alignment in their team and organization. So I wonder if you could briefly describe the six-step process. 
so as I was mentioning earlier, that there's these two primary needs that have to be met in order for meaningful alignment to take place. One is that sort of ego need, if you will, and I see that as the gateway in. We use the emotional management techniques that helps calm the per person down, neutralize negative emotion, and makes them stay in the game, if you will, because they feel safe. The other side is, well, how do I even start this conversation and how does this whole thing even go? So we put together a map, if you will, meaningful alignment process, six-step process that guides the person to how to start the conversation to end. And the first step is introduce the reason for the discussion. And people think, well, that's commonsensical. But listen, we've all been in conversations where two or three minutes have gone by and we have no idea why that person's talking to us because they didn't tell us the purpose of the conversation. So of course, stating that the purpose of the conversations, I noticed you and I were not in alignment when we met last week. And my goal today is to see if we can co-create a way to achieve this particular project together, that kind of thing. And while you're in each of these six steps, it's going to be important to leverage and utilize those emotional management techniques all along the way. Because again, it keeps the person in the game. It builds trust as you, as you go down your process. So the second um, step is to identify what is the actual problem or issue opportunity that we're here to discuss. And I always want to ask the person's perspective first. The reason I want to do that is that shows positive self-regard and respect right there when you're asking that person. We have a tendency to want to get our agenda on the table first. So just the very fact that we're asking their opinion first, what do you see as the issue or problem? What do you, from your viewpoint, what do you think is the opportunity? And it also buys you some time. If they say something that in your mind you're going, oh my gosh, I can't believe they just said that. that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard or whatever it is. Then there's some skills that we're also teaching on how to manage your own emotion in the moment. Um, but it buys you some time to do some thinking and to think about what you're going to say next. And then, of course, you share your perspective after they've shared theirs. The third step is discuss the impact. Like, this per don't assume this individual you're having a conversation with understands the big, wide reaching impact of this particular issue. If you're not aligned with this person, what is the impact? They may have a, very, a much smaller view than you have, and this becomes an education point to them. So you ask again, what do you think is the impact of us not getting on the same page around this issue? Here's what I think the impact is. Step four is to brainstorm the solutions or ideas. Ask them again, what ideas do you have? Um, then share your own. And the fifth step is the one that's often missed and blows everything apart because we get into assumption around communication. We all know what assume spells out. Um, and this is where we want to make sure because in step four, we were brainstorming. So all kinds of conversations coming out, all kinds of ideas might be popping out. Here's where you want to make sure you've actually communicated and not just done a lot of talking. And that is when you say to that person, so let me get this straight. What we're agreeing to do is you're going to do this by X date. I'm going to be doing this by Y date. Did I get that right? What did I miss? So this is your opportunity that if you've miscommunicated unintentionally, let's, let's get that straight right now. Because the worst thing is you end the conversation at this point, which is what most people do. They assume they're aligned, then it doesn't happen. Whatever they thought was going to happen doesn't happen. You're frustrated. You're back in conversation again. So this is a critical step is to absolutely make sure you're on the same page. 
And then the final is conclude and follow up. And we always set a follow up date because if you're aligned and the person has come through as they said they would, and they've done those activities or actions by the date that you've identified, it's a perfect opportunity to, to use positive self-regard again and say, thank you so much for doing that. I know that wasn't easy to work through, but you did it. I really appreciate it. If they didn't, you already have a date set up um, in order to say, hey, it looks like we were not able to get this accomplished after all. Can you share with me what went wrong here? Here's what I noticed on my end, that kind of thing. So those are the kind of the broad six steps or some detail in there, but that gives you a pretty good idea. <laughs> Here's the step that I really liked when I read it. I said, wow, that's a step that I can see so many leaders not doing. And then when they realize the impact, I think they should all start practicing. And it's the one where you say we should end these conversations with a word of gratitude that you thank the person for meeting with you and for being an active participant to helping you find a solution to help bring them into alignment with the rest of the team. And this is such a wonderful touch point because, as you've been saying, we're not trying to negate accountability. We're just trying to make sure that we're both sharing that accountability. And I think that is such a wonderful touch point to end the conversation with. And I think it really helps reinforce this idea we discussed earlier about being mindful of separating intent from behavior as this shows our employees we see them. We understand or we're trying to understand their reality, which is why, as you said, we want to be an active participant and we want to work with them to find a way to go forward that's mutually beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. I love it because in, in sort of the detail of each of our steps, we open with gratitude and we close with gratitude. It immediately disarms the individual. It shows respect. We're, we're meeting those ego needs by doing that. The person feels like, okay, you know what? This person genuinely wanted to understand my viewpoint. Doesn't mean that they're going to agree or disagree with my viewpoint, but they genuinely try to understand it. They really took the time and all of that goes a very long way in increasing motivation for this person to leave the conversation much more motivated to want to go change whatever needs to be changed or do whatever needs to be done in order for alignment to get achieved. And that's the thing I think we forget the most about. I mean, think about it. In fact, an exercise I love to do and I've done in gazillion workshops is to ask people to think about the best boss they ever had. And I said, just put picture that person in your mind. Now think about all the behaviors that person demonstrated, you know, say and do. What kinds of things did this person say or do? And as a result of those behaviors, what kind of impact did that individual have on you? And I have done that list, if you will, or asked that question to over a thousand people at this point. And the list is always the same. This leader believed in me, cared about me, supported me, mentored me, trusted me, empowered me. And the result was, well, I didn't want to let this person down. I was motivated to perform my best. I wanted to be that type of leader myself. So all I can say to a leader is, what better position could you possibly be in than to have a person who would, would be just, they would be horrified if they left you down, let you down. You really can't ask for anything more in a motivational manner, right? And so all those things are, are those emotional management techniques. And that list is the same no matter the list, no matter the group of people I've talked to, no matter the level, no matter the industry, it doesn't matter. And I always, always also share with people, notice I asked you a broad question on purpose. I just said, tell me about your best boss, right? And the, what never makes the list 
great P&L management, great strategic thinker. And yet when I say to them, well, were they good at that too? They all go, oh, well, yeah. I said, well, why didn't it make the list? It never makes the list. And the reason it doesn't make the list is the person is motivated to work for the person who understands that my ego needs have to be met. Those personal needs need to be met. And if you will do that, I am motivated and ready to go to do anything else you need me to do. But that's the gateway in again. And this is what we, we have a hard time understanding and making it so much more difficult than we need to do. We have a tendency to listen, to respond, instead of listen, to understand. And it's a huge difference, huge difference. And the person feels it. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, Susan. So with all that we've discussed today, is there any words of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with on the importance of meaningful alignment and how they can get this process going starting today? Well, certainly in terms of understanding more what this is that we've been talking about today. And thank you again for the opportunity to be able to express this. As you can probably tell, I have a lot of passion around this and both not only in a work environment, but a home environment um, as well, because we're not having conversations we need to be having both at work and at home, and it's causing all kinds of stress in our lives. Um, and so certainly to get sort of the quick up to speed on this, the book is probably the fastest way to do that or go to our website, meaningfulalignment.com. We also have an assessment that we've created in a model where we can tell um, how one is more likely to show up in that high stakes conversation emotionally. And so if they go to meaningfulalignment.com, they can take our assessment for free. And so we're inviting people to do that since the book just came out. Um, so that's certainly a way our website gives even more information. And of course, we have workshops and everything else, but all of that can be found on MeaningfulAlignment.com. Wonderful. Susan, such a pleasure to have you on my show. We've been engaging online for a number of years now, and it's wonderful to finally talk in person, albeit virtually. Yes. <laughs> and to explore these important ideas of how we're showing up as leaders to have these important conversations with our employees and the impact it has on our ability, as you said, to bring out the best in those we lead. That's right. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. <laughs> and that's a wrap for this episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, brought to you by Tavir Nasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tavirnasir.com to find out how we can bring these kinds of insights to your organization, either at an upcoming conference, leadership retreat, or for a corporate training event. And this episode has been sponsored by GoCo. As we discussed in this episode, connecting with your employees as a manager can be challenging. Thankfully, GoCo can help with this by supporting your people with team feedback features built into their automation-based HR software. Not only can you make sure you're aligned with your employees on their performance, progress, and goals, but you'll show them that you care about your employees by providing them with a modern HR experience. And the best part is, you can try it for free with no credit card needed. So go to goco.io slash leadership, that's G-O-C-O dot I-O slash leadership to get started. Now, if you have any questions or comments, drop me a note through the contact form on my website. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a colleague, with your team, or with your boss to allow them to reap the benefits as well. And remember, you can find all episodes of this show as well as the links to subscribe on iHeartRadio Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio on our podcast page at tavernasir.com 
slash LBC. So if you want to share this podcast with others, that's a great way to do it. And with that, I'm Tavia Nasir, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.